Well, this morning as we continue in John, we find Jesus in this place where we talked about last week that the raising of Lazarus made things even more precarious for him. He began to be more scarce, began to choose to only appear and when he felt like it was really necessary, and he had to choose um, who he was with um, during that time because he had to be with people that he knew and trusted, wouldn't turn him in, literally, wouldn't let um, the chief priests um, know where he was. And so it's interesting then that we find Jesus um, back in the house of Mary and Martha in Lazarus, probably because... He felt like it was a safe place, even though it was a known place, and that it was safe because of who was there. And we talked a little bit last time about how, or maybe even the time before, about how Bethany means the house of the poor. And so Jesus associated with these people in Bethany and repeatedly went there, and so even finds it a place where he can go when he needs um, the, the safety of their trust. And so, hear the word of the Lord I'm in John 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jesus. Uh, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Thus far, the word of the Lord. So Jesus is in this safe place. I'm probably hoping that with everything going on, he's going to have a low-key, low-stress, right, relaxing meal with people he knew that he could be himself around, and that hopefully there wouldn't be anything that came up. Well, of course, we all know that life isn't usually like that, especially for people who want to teach and to help and to help people grow. And often just when we think, oh, I finally get some respite and I need this rest, and something comes up. And so Jesus is at this meal, 
and Martha is serving, Lazarus is there, and then Mary lets down her hair and gets out this expensive perfume, puts it on Jesus' feet, and wipes her hair with it. And a lot of commentators that I read talk about how part of the tension there could be this whole revisiting of the scene of Martha serving and Mary being at Jesus' feet and the tension between the two of them. But I think, actually, that that probably isn't the case. Given what has happened, given what Jesus did for their brother, and my hunch is that far more likely what happened is they got together and said, how can we thank Jesus? What can we do in response to the fact that he raised our brother? And they probably did what both of them do, what they were gifted at doing, right? Martha said, I can make dinner, and I can serve. And Mary said, and I will get out the perfume and put them on his feet. And Martha was more than fine with that because she didn't want to be in the place of putting herself out there like Mary was willing to do, not only here, but in other places. But then, of course, Judas has to interject and interrupt and say, what in the world? Why is this happening? What are you doing? This perfume was worth so much. Why wasn't it used for some better as if there could have been anything better, thing. Jesus' response, right? Leave her alone. As we've heard in lots of the other healings and other things, it happened to be or it was intended that this would be for my burial. And so Jesus is saying something here about his death and about this period of time that they are in now, which is somehow unique and special and needs to be treated as such. Obviously, Jesus in Bethany. So it's not a lack of his concern for the poor that he's responding to in Judas's argument. But somehow... In this moment, in what's going on, Jesus is saying something unique about his death. And not only his death, but his calling, why he came in the first place. It was intended for my burial. You will always have the poor. But what's about to happen and what is unfolding and happening now is a very special thing that will be for the whole world. Jesus is trying to get them to see and to know. It's a hard thing to wrestle with, and it's one of the things that we do in Lent. But Jesus, over and over again, lets us know that his understanding is that his very ministry was culminating at this point and in this moment, and what was about to happen, that he was literally born to die. That he came to be incarnate on this earth, to give his life. And that's what he saw 
as his ministry. So what's happening now is beyond normal. It's unique. But there is something in this for us as well, although we do need to be careful. Because Jesus' death changes things. It changes everything. It changes the very fabric of the universe, the way we relate to one another, to God, to creation. I've talked about this journey through John as thinking differently about things, and so I'm hopefully going to help us see Jesus' death. I'm in a little different way this morning, and in a way that we too can follow, um, like I said, if we follow carefully. Because Jesus' death was about a lot of things, but one of the things that it was about was forgiveness. When Jesus was on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And forgiveness is a lot of things, but one of the things that we don't often think about with forgiveness in terms of what forgiveness is, it's not just saying to somebody, I forgive you. It's not just letting go of all that that means and the freedom that that actually brings. Forgiveness is about intentionally and consciously and as much as we are able, empowered by the Spirit, saying the buck stops here. Although I am hurt, although I am experiencing great injustice, whatever it may be, as much as possible, I will not pass that on to others. I will try to let it end here with me in my forgiveness. Because that's exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross. He is taking all of the pain, all of the injustice, all of the oppression, all of the racism, all of the everything that is wrong with God's good world and saying, I will take it on and I will let it end here in my body that I give for you that I lay down my life for you. It stops here. And part of the reason that we know that in this passage is because John in his gospel sets things together often that seem just like events that happened to happen, as we hear in the gospel a lot, but are together side by side here in his gospel. And so one of the things we see happening is what? The chief priests are like, oh, well, Lazarus is a problem too. Remember we just said one? Well, how about two? Maybe Lazarus needs to die as well because he's making it so that too many people are going over to Jesus. And if that happens, we're concerned, what did we talk about last time, that we're going to lose 
what it is we're trying to hold on to, temple, nation, all those things. We don't want to lose them, so how about Lazarus too? That is the problem with the way of violence, with the way of evil and of injustice and even bitterness. Even on smaller scales, it means that the cycle doesn't stop. It just continues on. Oh, and then there's one more. Oh, wait a minute now, this is a problem, so one more. And think about the way lies happen like that. It's just one, oh, but now I need to cover this up, so one more, one more. And the cycle doesn't stop. And Jesus is saying it needs to end. And it ends with me. Because Jesus isn't denying that even right there where he was, in fact, in the town that he was, they were experiencing great oppression and injustice at the hands of the Romans. We often talk about the peace that the Romans brought, but it was a peace with a high cost and a high price. Right? And any kind of insurrection was brutally crushed. As we talked about last week, as Israel found out 40 years after Jesus' death. And it just continues. But Jesus says it somehow has to stop. And this whole idea of I'm hurt, so I'm going to lash out, or I'm hurt, so something needs to be done. Well, it was. It was. On the cross, something was done. And so we need to learn in our lives, how can we do that in big and small ways? And when we are hurt, how can we say, like I said, with God's help and wisely and carefully, things end here with me. One of the things that ended up after Christ's death, turning the world upside down is how the early church responded to the violence that they faced. So the violence with which Rome tried to put an end to this whole Jesus thing, it's going to get out of hand. And so people began to be martyred. I mean, just like Jesus saw his understanding and calling, people began to think, maybe I'm called to be martyred. <laughs> in both good and unhealthy ways. And so you actually get treatises in the second and third centuries of people writing about how do you know if you're called to lay down your life? And how do you know if you're just doing it for your own glory? And how can you literally be given that and led into that? And things that we don't often think about much in our time and place. Because most of us probably won't be called to do that in that way although there are people who are still all over the world. But we are all called to figure out how can we let the damage, the consequences of sin end with us as much as it's up to us. And so we need to find ways in which to do that. Here's just a small example that I thought of but hopefully it'll help you be begin thinking about what does this look like 
I'm in my life. When I was early on in my time in the seminary, my parents came to see us I'm in Canada in Vancouver with their brand new Honda Odyssey van. And we decided that we were going to take them um, to a place that had become our favorite Greek food place um, out to dinner, um, which required driving through downtown Vancouver. If any of you have been to Vancouver, it intentionally does not have very many highways. <laughs> okay, it's almost all surface streets and stoplights. And so I, my parents didn't know how to get there. And they thought, well, why don't you drive? Because you know how to get there. And I'm driving this big van. I'm used to my little teeny compact car. And the person in front of me, the light changes to yellow. And the person in front of me, I thought, was going to do what? Right? What are you supposed to do? <laughs> Step on it, right? <laughs> Go through the light. I forgot I was in Canada. <laughs> okay. So she, of course, stopped at the light. And I didn't have time to stop. And I rammed right into her. And so we, of course, pull over and start, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my parents' brand new van, right? And we're getting our information out and exchanging information. And so I was anxious for all kinds of reasons. One, my parents' new car, but two, I was thinking to myself, what is she going to do? All right, what is she going to do? And all of a sudden, she kind of picked up on how anxious she was. And she looks at me and she goes, oh, don't worry. I'm not going to sue you. This is Canada. <laughs> And I immediately <laughs> let my anxiety kind of go. But it was one way of me knowing that even though I messed up, the consequences weren't going to go further than our exchanging information in my parents' insurance company. But we need to find ways in all kinds of ways in our lives to not pass on the damage of the hurt that's been done to us because it's been taken care of on the cross. And so may we learn how to not pass that damage on. May it be so. Amen.